Hi, welcome to episode 33 of On Jordan, a podcast on Jordanian politics and society, featuring interviews with experts from across the Hashemite Kingdom. My name is Aaron Magid, a former Mom-based journalist, now in Washington. Even as over 95% of Jordan's population is Muslim, the Hashemite Kingdom's Christian community continues to play an important role in the country. The government officially recognized multiple Christian denominations, including Greek Orthodox, Roman Catholic, Anglican, and Lutheran. In Parliament, a quota was enacted to guarantee Christians at least nine seats. For a deep dive on Christian life in the Hashemite Kingdom, it's great to welcome Reverend David Rihani to the podcast. Reverend Rihani leads Assemblies of God, Church, and Jordan. Previously, he was the president of the Jordan Evangelical Council. Thank you for joining us, Reverend. Uh, you are well, very welcome and nice uh, to have the opportunity with you, uh, knowing that you have also lived in Jordan and you have uh, love for this country. This is a pleasure for us to hear that. Before we talk about the Christian community in general in Jordan, would you mind please explaining your personal background, Reverend? Uh, I was born uh, in Jordan in the city of Assalt, which is one of the oldest cities in Jordan and uh, raised in it until I finished high school. I was born uh, in the church. My father was uh, the first evangelical pastor in Jordan, believe it or not. And uh, we grew up in a salt community. It was really an, a, a great experience to grow up in such a, a city that has, uh, at that time, about six Christian denominations uh, beside our brother, the Muslims. And it was a great upbringing. Uh, I attended schools. At the, our, we used to have a school in the evangelical church. Then I went to the Catholic school for two years. Then to the government schools. So I was exposed to all types of culture and social setup of the city of Assal. After high school, I went to England, did my A-levels there in college for two years. Then after that, I went to the States attended Christ for the Nations Bible Institute in Dallas, Texas. Then I went to the University of Rhode Island, did my environmental and engineering degree. And about 14 years ago, I came back to Jordan and got involved in the church. And here I am involved in Jordan for the past years, having a great opportunity to serve my country. What's life like today for Christians in the Hashemite Kingdom? Well, Jordan, as you will know, it's about 97 uh, percent uh, Muslims and the Christian community about 2.2 percent. Uh, Christians in Jordan are one uh, of the oldest Christian communities in the world. Their presence dating uh, back uh, to the first century AD. The uh, Christians are very well integrated uh, into society. They form a significant part of the kingdom's political and economical uh, elite. As you will know, Jordanian Christians are allowed uh, by the public and private sectors to leave their work and to attend Mass on Sundays. All Christian religious ceremonies are publicly celebrated in Jordan. Like Christmas and Easter, we have national holidays. Also, Jordan have more than 100 Christian and around 40 Islamic holy sites. For example, the Vatican officially recognized five Christian pilgrim sites, namely Bethany beyond the Jordan, which is Arabic Al-Maqdas, which you have visited, I believe, Mount Nebu, Kaur, Our Lady of Mountain in Anjara, and Mar Elias Mountain. We don't feel like we are out of this country. We are been in this country for, you know, since the beginning of Christianity. 
and beyond. So life for Christians in Jordan, we belong to our country, we love our country, and we participate in every national event. Uh, we are true citizens uh, of this land. And how does King Abdullah and the government treat Christians? Uh, when uh, the founder of Jordan, King Abdullah I, in the 20s, uh, came to Jordan, uh, he was very well connected with the Christian community. Our church in Sart, which is evangelical church, was the first evangelical church to establish in Jordan. The land to purchase, to build the church and school, uh, the permission was granted by, at that time, he was the emir before he became King Abdullah I. And the Hashemites also are very protective of all religious, uh, you know, the Muslims and the Christians, especially the Christians, because our absolute number is uh, becoming less. But our role in Jordan from the beginning of the Hashemite kingdom of Jordan was very, very important. You know, they were part of the founders of the military uh, and the government. So the king and the government are protective of Jordan. And the Constitution says that very clearly. It says the principle of equality between all Jordanian citizens. King Abdullah I, he was in Jerusalem, and it, he's, it was said he have personally taken charge of efforts to extinguish fire which engulfed the Church of the Holy Sepulchre in 1949. And also, King Abdullah II, which is our current king, has launched and supported several initiatives that promote intra- and interfaith harmony, such as the Amman message after the September 11 incident in New York to show the tolerance of Islam and accepting of other religious minorities. Also received the Italy Lab of Peace of St. Francis, which is a top Catholic Peace Prize presented by the, the Franciscan of Assisi. So this is just international and world recognition for the role of King Abdullah II, which reflects also his role in Jordan with the community and different religions. How does the Christian community today compare to the one in Jordan 25 or 50 years ago? I left Jordan when I was you know, 17 years old. Then I was visiting back and uh, uh, watching the homeland, what's happening. Historically, the Christian community in Jordan is well connected culturally and socially with uh, in the community. So the, any changes happen to the Christian community, it did not affect their standing in the country or their role in the country, or they were not stripped from any responsibilities or the opportunity to serve in the government. But the changes, it's across the board, people uh, seek opportunities to travel, to go to other countries. And this affected uh, both Christian and Muslim youth for opportunities to seek better work in neighboring countries or in Europe and in the United States. It's important that I mention that people say that um, Christians are leaving Jordan, which is not true. Youth, both Christian and Muslims, are seeking opportunities in different countries, you know, because Education is very important in Jordan. We have a high education level in Jordan, and we have limited job opportunities. So that affects uh, the, the formula here. But as far as the rights have nothing changed really, in the contrary, Christian youth 
more engaged in providing uh, community work uh, through their churches. You know, we are providing a lot of assistance to the refugees who came to Jordan through the churches. So the role for youth engaged as Christians in, the, in their churches and in the community has increased more than 50 years ago or 25 years ago. And it's becoming more important and noticeable now. This is very encouraging. You mentioned how the rights of Christians in Jordan have stayed the same, but earlier you cited about 2% of the kingdom's population were of Christian background. 50 years ago, were Christians also about 2%? No, it was much, much larger. You know, the absolute number changed because we have a lot of uh, refugees came into the country. Also, the birth rate of the Christian community is much less than the, uh, our brothers, the Muslims' birth rate. So the absolute number change, but the role of Christians in Jordan is very, very important and still is as it was uh, 50 or 25 years ago. So 50 years ago, about 25% of Jordan's population was Christian? You know, 50 years ago, uh, I would say at least 25%, you know, plus or minus. And also, if you look at the towns before Amman, the capital grow fast. If you look at uh, Salt, Karak, Madaba, Husun, you know, Fahais, those were the high Christian communities. But the population increased so much in Jordan to, to the refugees coming in and also the birth rate. And still, we are still receiving refugees. Any conflict in our neighboring countries, Jordan welcomes the refugees, and that is, uh, you know, changes the number of the population. Now Jordan is about over 11 million people. Are you saying that Christians don't leave Jordan disproportionately more than Muslims for overseas educational or employment purposes? Historically, because of the churches, Christians were more connected maybe with uh, in the West, so the opportunities was, in the beginning, maybe more for Christians to seek uh, to those countries. But, but that is not anymore the fact, you know, because the Jordanian government now, let's say if you, the, if you look at the uh, Royal Medical Services or if you look at uh, all uh, ministries, they sent for many, many years people to have higher education in Europe and in the Americans. And that is also expose a lot of the youth to universities and education, uh, to seek education. So they come back, maybe their kids also like to go overseas and educate themselves and gain degrees. And then comes to the job opportunities. Uh, some uh, stay in those countries and some come back. Like in my case, I worked in Boston and uh, as an engineer and I had a business in the United States. Then I chose to come back to Jordan. And Jordan is open to the world. We have great communications with the rest of the world. It's an open country. We have no restricted in business. So opens opportunities for young Jordanians who are seeking and protecting their interests and their future. The world market is open for Jordanian youth. We cannot say only Christians. Have Christians been appointed or elected to senior government positions? Oh, yes. If you look at the beginning of the creating of the Jordanian military and the police, I could tell you stories from my own family. My father was uh, number nine in the early police force in Jordan. My great uncle was one of the founders of the Jordanian military. If you look at uh, government of, uh, positions, very important, like the Central Bank was assigned by you know, a Christian. His signature was on the currency for many, many years. We have many ministers 
serve in the Ministry of Education, Ministry of Public Works, you know, and other ministries of uh, Christian background. The highest position was the Deputy Prime Minister was also a Christian. And also in the Parliament, we have nine seats assigned for Christians in the Parliament, which is, if you look, out of 130 seats. So if you look at the percentage of the population between Christian and Muslims, we have more seats in the parliament than reflects our really numbers in Jordan. So the government and His Majesty and the royal family are very careful about protecting the presence of Christians in Jordan. We have opportunities. If you compare it with the population of Jordan, we are really involved in every sector of uh, service in the government, civil, military, police. When you mention a former deputy prime minister who was Christian, are you referring to former foreign minister Maran Muasher? He fought, he, yes, he was foreign minister. And then there's other, Rajai Muasher is related to uh, Marwan Muasher. Also, he was deputy prime minister. And he's still very effective in Jordan politics, you know. We actually had former minister Marwan Muasher on an earlier podcast episode. Yeah, yeah, he's, yeah, I, I know him personally. He's a, a great man. And a Christian Jordanian who serve in the government, they love their country and they serve it well. Uh, we set uh, an example for the neighboring countries in Jordan. He's not giving the position because he was a Christian, first of all. The country has to maintain balance to have a representation of the whole community. You know, Jordan, as you know, we have the city, we have the bad area, we have the north, the south. And if you look at the parliament, it has a balance of all these uh, parts of uh, Jordanians living across the country. Do Christians face discrimination in Jordan? You know, being in the evangelical community, and uh, uh, we, we hear this a lot, especially from uh, foreigners visiting our country, you know, because if they hear of a case uh, that is involved a Christian member, they feel it's all Christians have been discriminated against. But it's not, the, it's not the, the case. This has to be really stopped that Christians have been discriminated against in Jordan. But some cases happen, it was interpreted like that. But the, the law, as I read to you before, protects all people who are living in Jordan. And you have the right for an attorney and to appear in court and to, to question the court order if it's not up to you, if you feel it's wrong. You know, so it is, of course, after Daesh movement, there's a lot of people who are promoting discrimination that we never heard of before between different religions. And that was to seek to divide the country in a way, or like what they've done in different, like in Syria and Lebanon and Iraq. Jordanians in general are very careful about that. And you will find in many articles written by Muslim writers defending Christians and standing by Christians' right. Some cases happen, but that is not the general feel. The minute I feel I am discriminated against, that means you strip me from all my national heritage that has been built in this country for thousands of years. But we have to be careful if anybody implants any signs of discrimination beside the 13 classical denominations. We all have schools, have clinics, have uh, service to the community. We serve uh, equally and we have no discrimination. Last question. If a Christian wants to get married or divorced, what courts does he or she use since Jordan has Sharia courts? The religious courts uh, include Sharia, which is Islamic law. And also they have the tribunals of Christian denominations, communities which is religious courts, 
have primary field courts and deal only with matters involving personal law such as marriage, divorce, inheritance, and child custody. The Christian community have their own Christian courts. And there are a few of them, like the Roman Catholic have, the Malachi Catholic have, the Orthodox have. We have Christian courts. And also, in case involving parties of different religions, regular courts have jurisdiction. For example, if any dispute involves between members of different religious communities, the civil courts have jurisdiction unless the parties mutually agree to submit to the uh, jurisdiction of one of the religious courts. In case of uh, jurisdictional conflicts between any two religious courts or between a religious court and a civil court, the president of the court appoints a three-judge special tribunal to decide jurisdiction or to hear the case. Uh, Christians have their courts. But inheritance, uh, we go follow the uh, Sharia law, okay? And now there is a proposal will be uh, agreed by all the denominations to have equal uh, inheritance for uh, between women and men of Christian faith. And I think all the churches agreed upon it. Now the the parliament has to vote on it. So we are moving in the right direction. Thank you very much, Reverend. I really appreciate your time. You are very welcome. And next time you want to come and visit Jordan, come and visit me also. That was Reverend Rikhani. Here's what else happened in recent weeks. The White House announced that President Joe Biden would travel to Oman on October 18th to meet King Abdullah amid the Gaza conflict. However, Jordan later canceled the visit with Foreign Minister Ayman Safadi saying that a meeting could only be held when the parties could agree to end the war. The last time Jordan canceled a meeting with the U.S. president occurred some 20 years ago when King Abdullah was upset with President George W. Bush for a letter he wrote on the status of the West Bank and Palestinian refugees. On October 25th, Queen Rania told CNN that Western leaders were maintaining a double standard for failing to condemn Israel's killing of Palestinian civilians in Gaza. She also critiqued the Western media and asserted, the CNN website at the beginning of the conflict reported a headline of Israeli children found butchered in Israeli kibbutz. When you read through the story, it hasn't been independently verified. Two days later, the United Nations General Assembly voted for a Jordanian resolution calling for a humanitarian truce between Israel and Hamas. Ahead of the vote, Foreign Minister Safadi urged international backing, saying, Israel is making Gaza a perpetual hell on earth. The Hashemite kingdom witnessed widespread protests regarding the war. On October 20th, Reuters reported that thousands of Jordanians protested in downtown Amman calling for Hamas to increase its attacks against Israel. Oh Hamas, hit them with Al-Qassam rockets. Bring the suicide bombers to Tel Aviv, demonstrators chanted. A week earlier, Jordanian security forces forcibly dispersed protesters trying to reach the country's border with the West Bank. Also, hundreds of supporters of Iraq's popular mobilization forces blocked oil tanker trucks from crossing into Jordan on October 26th. Karar Zamili, a pro-Palestinian protester, said, Obstructing the Anbar crossing is meant to prevent Iraqi oil, which reaches Jordan at a subsidized price, from going to countries that have normalized relations with Israel. Before I go, please listen to previous episodes, including Jordan's stance towards Hamas, featuring former Minister Mohammed Abu Rahman, along with Jordan's 1970s civil war with Dr. Yazid Sayed. Finally, if you're interested in joining the podcast or have an idea for an episode, please reach out to me via Twitter, at Aaron Magid, or by email, Aaron.megan1 at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.